Amen. I want you to turn your Bibles with me to Matthew 5. I'm going to get here eventually. Um, so I've really been praying as we're coming up to this conference because so much in my spirit is is just like really prayer. I just really crave the presence of God. I really want to be with God. And, and, and there's so much that I'm just trying to contain for this weekend that's coming up. And I was praying for what the Lord would have me to speak. And I really believe this is the word of the Lord for us today. And I want to say this to you that that I, I just really sense a a lethargy, if you will. That's not really always bad, but but maybe you're tired. Maybe there's just distractions or weariness. And I'm just asking you shake yourself to uh, to really be attentive to what the Lord wants to say today. All right. And um, and and I really pray that you will press into the Holy Spirit and let's not allow our flesh to dictate the kind of intimacy God wants to have with us today. Let's let the Holy Spirit bring us into intimacy with God. And I just ask you to do that. And maybe some of you are really stoked and you're ready to go with God. And that's great. But, you know, I just pray that the Holy Spirit will lead us together in this. And there was a story that Jesus told I wanted to begin with this morning. And he told this story about a man who worked for another man. He was a steward of some of the man's resources. And so one of the employees told on him and he went to the master and he said to the man, he said, look, this guy that's stewarding some of your resources, your oil and your wheat, um, he's squandering it and he's just taking what you have and he's wasting it on other people and so forth. And so the man responded by telling this steward, I want to meet with you like next week. We're going to have a meeting and I'm going to hold you accountable to the records and what you've given out of mine and what I have nothing back for. And so this man, um, understanding I'm about to get fired and I don't know what to do. He, he, he actually, in the story, Jesus said, the man said, I can't dig. So I guess it means he can't do manual labor. Uh, I'm not going to be able to do that. And he said, it's beneath me to beg. So I guess what I'm going to do is I'm going to meet with all of these people that owe my master something and I'm going to settle debts as quickly as I can. And so the man goes and he talks to these people that owed his master stuff. And he said, quickly, tell me, what do you owe him? And the guy said, I owe him a hundred bushels or a hundred measures of oil. And so the man said, well, then look really quick. I'm going to give you this incredible deal. All right. You owe him a hundred, write a check for 50 and it's over. It's settled. Your debt's done. And so they did that. Of course, that's just a great deal for the man that was in debt. And then he went to another guy and he said, what do you owe him? And he said, I owe him a hundred bushels of wheat. And he said, well, look really quick. Just, you know, write this for 80 bushels of wheat and just, we're just going to forgive you the remainder of the debt. And so the guy did that. And the, and the steward was doing it for this reason. I, I want to prepare for my future. I want to, I want to make sure that I'm okay because I'm about to get fired and I can't dig and I can't beg and I'm going to be on the streets. And so if I treat these other guys really well, maybe they'll let me sleep in their house and I won't be on the street. And so he was really looking out for himself. And then when the man was brought before the steward, the, the master, he showed them the account and how he had gotten this back for his accounts. And, um, and Jesus said that this man did something that was very wise. And he makes this statement that it, it, maybe it's, it's stumped a lot of Christians before, but I, I want to, and probably not you, but I want you to hear it. And he said, the children of this world are wiser in their generation than the children of light. Then the children of light, 
The children of this generation are wiser in their generation than the children of light. And it's, it's always puzzled me exactly what Jesus meant. Why would he say that the lost are, are more wise than the saved? That those who don't have the, the Lord leading their life would have more wisdom in the generation, in, in the life that they're living, than the people that belong to God. So we would say it right now, even in, in our generation today, where we have this woke culture going on, we have this trans culture going on, we have so many inroads governmentally that seem to be attacking our republic, and so many transitions and changes that are happening in our world as a whole today, you know, with inflation and all of that. Where's the wisdom of the believer? Where's the voice of the believer? We hear a lot of voices today. We hear a lot of people speaking. But where's the voice of the church? Where's the church providing direction? Where's the church providing wisdom? And as it pertains to that, I think it's really impossible for us to give any kind of clear direction unless we're spending time with God to hear the voice of the Lord. But the word wise in this passage of scripture that Jesus was referring to is he simply meant this, that the children of this world have more invested interest in their own life in this time frame than the children of light do. And in other words, what Jesus is saying is this, that the people of the world, the people that don't have a relationship with God, their, their world is this world, their life is this life. Their whole life is in jobs and careers and investments and comfortability in life and, and careers and hobbies and, and vacations and, and all of these type things are what people in this world are interested in. Because maybe they don't know what's beyond this world. Maybe they don't know if there really is life after death. And so I'm going to get as much of this world as I possibly can. And I understand that there's going to be a time when I'm not able to work, so I want to make sure that I have good retirement. And so I'm going to invest really wise. I'm going to make sure that my my stocks are okay or I've got real estate investment because when it comes time that I can't work, I want to make sure that I live a comfortable life. And that's the way the children of the world operate. But Jesus had told us many, many times Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where thieves cannot break in and steal it and where moth does not come in and corrode it and rust does not destroy it. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Make yourself rich there, but we're not so aware of that. That invisible world just seems to be so distant to us. And instead of really just like investing ourselves in the kingdom of God, investing ourselves in the purposes of God, God's plans in our life, we seem to be distracted with the things of this world. We're distracted with the things that the world is distracted with. We too. And it's not necessarily unwise that we should not have wisdom in providing for our homes and our families and even our futures. There's wisdom in that. But to be occupied with that, to let those be the chief things that move us every day, our commitment to our work, our commitment to our careers, are, for some of us are just outstanding. I mean, we're faithful there Monday through Friday. You work a 40 or a 60 or an 80-hour work week because you are doing that with the determination that I'm planning for my future and I'm planning for my life. And we'll commit ourselves to those kinds of things. But when it comes to the kingdom of God, when it comes to our relationship with the Lord, we can be somewhat passive. We can be somewhat very negative.
negligent of that, very negligent of that eternal kingdom. We could even be so unaware of what our God is doing in the earth today. How mighty and powerful the Holy Spirit is. And what the Holy Spirit wants to do to confront the darkness. And we could be totally unaware of that because we're living our own life. And that's what Jesus meant when he said the children of this world and their generation, they're more invested in their world than we as Christians, we as the children of light are invested in our world. They're completely invested. We are casually invested. And Jesus, in another words, is saying it's just a very foolish way to live. And you're not going to really invest in something that's not completely real to you. I mean, you're not going to really go out all out for a theology. The, the God of this theology has got to become real in your life. And, and, and when God becomes real in your life by the Holy Spirit, then you really do begin to invest in this life. And beloved, I want you to understand that the God who lives in you, Jesus Christ who lives in you, his passions have not changed. His desires have not changed. His compassion has not changed. His mercy has not changed. When he came into this world, he was consumed with those that were broken, those that were lost, those that were undone. He was burdened for the prostitutes. He was burdened for the tax collectors. He was moved for the poor. He had compassion upon the sick. And this God lives in us. That's what we say. We say that Jesus lives in me. Where, where is the compassion of that God inside of us? Where is the compassion of that God pushing us, moving us with compassions that we cannot restrain for those very people that he cares about? You are anointed to set at liberty those that are bruised. You are anointed to set the captives free. You are anointed to preach the gospel to the poor. God has no other voice but yours. If there are any hands of Jesus Christ that are going to touch the sick today, they're your hands. If there's any feet that are going to go to the alleyway and the byways to share his gospel of his kingdom, it's your feet. And we have to invest ourselves in this kingdom because we're anointed to do it. Jesus said that the children of this world are are more wise in their generation than the children of light. And he used the word light. And so I ask you, what are you doing with the light that you have? You're you're going to be held accountable to God for the light that you have and the light that we're supposed to give. And so what have we done with it? What have we done with this life? And I want to, I want to reference this with you. I know I asked you to turn to Matthew 5, but before we get there, I just want to look at Acts 26. And I want you to see this is what Paul did with it. And I'm not saying this because, oh man, this is Paul and, and we just kind of sit back and ooh and awe about Paul and, I mean, who can measure up to him? I mean, it's, it's Paul. I mean, you know, this guy was just special. Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. The power of God rested upon Paul's life, and Paul did everything he did in the ability and the power of the Holy Spirit. That just simply means whatever it is that God desires for you to do and to be and to live and to minister, it is the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit that rests upon you that gives you the ability to do it. It's not because any of us are great. God is great. Jesus is great. And he's great in us. And so Paul said this, and this is his testimony before Agrippa. And he said in verse 15, when he met Jesus, he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you persecute. Now listen to Jesus' commission to him. But rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared unto you. For this purpose, 
to make you a minister and a witness, both of these things which you have seen, and of those things in which in the which I will appear unto you. I'm doing two things to your life. I'm making you a minister and I'm making you a witness. And, and please, beloved, listen to me. We've got plenty of ministers. We're lacking witnesses. We've got plenty of people who can teach the Bible study, who can lay out the doctrine, but we have very few people who have seen him and have touched him and have heard him and have smelt him and have been intimate with him. That intimacy or that witness is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Jesus said to his apostles, you shall be witnesses of me after that and the power that you receive after the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me all over the world, all over the world. The, the, the way you're going to witness for me is by the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And a lot of times we as spirit-filled people like to take a lot of consolation in the fact that we can speak in tongues. And that's great. But where's the witness of this God who's conquered the grave? Where's the witness of this Jesus who's ascended into heaven? Where's the power of this God resting upon his people today? The same power that was upon Jesus when he did heal the sick and he did cast out the devils and he confronted people with the reality God's kingdom is at hand. You can touch it. Because the kingdom of God is touching you. And the kingdom of God went to the gates of hell. And the gates of hell were not able to withstand God's kingdom through the life of Jesus Christ. And so I just say that to us. This witness is what we desperately need today. The ministry and the ministers are there. But the witness, the power of darkness is prevailing in our culture. I mean, am I right? The confusion, the 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 disturbances, the instability of our society, our young people being talked to by the, 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 the wisdom of our day, the mutilation of, of their sexual organs, the confusion of what they are sexually, the destruction of our societies, the destruction of our ethics, the destruction of our way of life. I've talked to young people today in the church, and a lot of the young people in the church, when I ask them, what does your future look like? And they say, it's bleak. I mean, if I, if I listen to what all the preachers say, what, what is there to live for? What's there to plan for? My, my way of life in America seems to be over. And you talk to, to kids as well, even in the church, but outside of the church, what's going on in your life? And they're bombarded with the desire for suicide. Modern atheism, let me explain modern atheism to you. It's very rare that you meet a true atheist. But modern atheism is, is taking our society by storm. And modern atheism is the denial of a good God. Modern atheism is, is not so much this denial that God exists. I don't like the way God manages the world. The Bible is a hate book and the Christian God is oppressive. There are multitudes in our universities that are trying to overthrow the faith of our people and our young people. And they're trying to get young people to not believe in God. And to believe in evolution. And to believe that we're all the products of chance. And there's no God that you're ever going to answer to. And so I say to you this, and I really want this to stand out to you. But in the very beginning of the tribulation, maybe months into it. 
According to Revelation chapter 6, there's a place there early on in the tribulation period where the Bible says that the kings of the earth and the rich men and the powerful men and the princes of the earth and the free men and the slaves are going to run to the mountains and they're going to cry for the mountains to fall on them, to hide them from the wrath of the one that sits on the throne and from the Lamb. For the day of his great wrath has come, and who will be able to stand before him? That is what the mighty people of the earth cry and just months into the tribulation period. You know what that tells me? That tells me this. It tells me that God, our God in heaven, is going to do something in the earth so truly fantastic that God is going to put an end to atheism. And God is going to reveal to men everywhere, all over the earth, the great men, the rich men, the scientists, the slaves, and the free, that when this tribulation comes upon the earth, you're not going to wonder what's happening. You're not going to wonder, is this coincidence? You're not going to wonder, is this global warming? This is the God of heaven whose day of wrath has come. God's going to let the world know, you're dealing with me. And not only do they believe in the God of heaven, they believe in the Lamb. Because they confess that this is the wrath of the God on the throne and of the Lamb. They believe in Jesus Christ. What am I saying by that, beloved? I'm saying this, that God is going to bring revival upon this earth. God is going to bring a demonstration of the reality of Jesus Christ because I believe, as in the beginning with Paul, so in the end with believers, that God is going to have a people who minister and witness of the things of Jesus Christ. That the power of God is going to go forth from his people. And the people that are wise, the children of light that are wise, and they're invested in the kingdom of God. This is our time. This is our moment. We've come to the kingdom for such as this. And the Holy Spirit will come upon those people. Don't, don't you want that to be you? Comes with a price. It really does. But even the price that it comes with, comes with the grace of God to be able to walk it out. And to be able to live it out. I want to see the glory of God. That's, that, that's the desire of my heart. I'm, I, not, not, to have a, not, not to have something that attracts people, but I want to have that which attracts God. That which is pleasurable to God. That's what God enjoys. That we can have services in here where it's so geared to God, so full of faith, so full of praise, so full of glory, that it, God comes and he rests in that. He rests in it. Oh, I want God. I want to be so close to him. I want us to be so intimate with him. And God is going to do this according to Revelation chapter 6. And I just believe God is going to give a demonstration of his son Jesus so mightily. And God was doing that in the very beginning through Paul. And back in Acts 26, Jesus said, this is your ministry, Paul. This is it. And, and I don't believe it's any different for us to open their eyes. He says in verse 17, deliver you from the people, from the Gentiles, and to whom now I send you. I'm sending you to the people. I'm sending you to the Gentiles. I'm sending you to people. You're going to need deliverance because people are going to attack you. But I'm going to deliver you. And I'm sending you to them to open their eyes. Beloved, you are anointed to open the eyes of the people. To turn them from darkness to light. You are anointed to turn people from darkness to light. Because you have received no less spirit than the Apostle Paul. You've received no less of an anointing. 
You're no less of a minister or a witness if you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. And you can actually open the eyes of people to see. And you can actually turn people from darkness to light. From Listen, the power of Satan, his, his power. You can turn them from his power unto God. So that they could receive forgiveness of sins. Isn't that wonderful? I mean, these, the, the, these things that we see in our world today, these things that we see on TV, these things that we are repulsed with, the, the situations and the people and the claims and all of the voices that we hear that just simply kind of turns us inside out because we're, we're really good moral people, as, if you will. It's not that. It's that people need to be forgiven of their sins. Uh, people that are involved in, in, in these powerful moves of Satan today. These people that are, that are, that are operating in darkness, they don't see. The people are the pawns and they don't see and they don't understand. Oh God, if somebody could go in there and open their eyes. If somebody could just open their eyes, if somebody could just take them and, and, and they're living in all of this darkness and this is all that they see. And if somebody had the power to turn them to the light. And they could turn to the light and then they could be brought out of Satan's power unto God and their sins are forgiven. Do you believe? Beloved, do you believe that, that God can do that through your life? As he sent the apostle Paul to do that, do you think the Satan's world's just going to applaud you? No, he's going to attack you, but God is going to deliver you. And he says that they would receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. And that's it. And it's not just these demonstrative powers of, of miracles. Opening the eyes, turning them to light, removing them from the power of Satan to God. But it's the forgiveness of sins. And it is to see people established in their faith in Jesus Christ so that they're, they're really saved. The preaching of God's word. The sharing of the gospel of Jesus Christ with the multitudes that they might be saved. And so here in this passage of scripture, Jesus is telling Paul, you're going to have a ministry of power that's greater than the power of Satan. And if I could just tell you this this morning, and, and I pray, Holy Ghost, let us have the revelation of it. There's no power on earth like the power of the church of Jesus Christ filled with the Holy Spirit. There's just no power like that on the earth. As a matter of fact, this, this powerful church filled with the Holy Spirit is so powerful that before the Antichrist can be revealed and begin his work in the earth, this power has to be removed. Until he that lets is removed, then that Antichrist with his power and his lying wonders and signs is able to come on the scene. And I believe God is going to move with such glory and God is going to move with such power to manifest his glory in the days that are soon, soon upon us. It's warfare. What, what, what Jesus told Paul in Acts 26 is warfare. That, that you're, you're dealing with blindness in people and you're dealing with the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light and the power of Satan and God. It's warfare. And I'm sending you to the people who are slaves to Satan. And I'm sending you with authority and power to help them. For so long we've preached to them. 
but God wants to help them. In John's gospel, he said that when Jesus came, the light came. And the darkness comprehended it not. It's another warfare term. And when Jesus came, the light of the world came. And the darkness that was in the world could not restrain the light. It could not hide the light. It could not overpower the light. But Jesus Christ, the light of the world, came and he exposed Satan's lies and Satan's schemes. And people saw. People that sat in darkness saw a great light. And when they saw the light, they understood the darkness. It's the beautiful hymn we sing, Amazing Grace. I was blind, but now I see. If the people in our world today could see, if they could see the darkness, if they could see the power of Satan, then their arguments would begin to fall apart because they're not based upon truth. We're trying to persuade them to believe like us. But we need the Holy Spirit to make them see the lies of Satan and the strategies of darkness. Now we're to our text in Matthew 5. He says in verse 14, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it gives light to all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. The light is to shine. And when the light shines, what they're going to see is your good works. And they're going to understand darkness. When the world could see the church of Jesus Christ truly loving one another. It would expose the darkness. Instead of the gossip, instead of the slander, instead of the ridicule, instead of haughtiness in the body of Christ, there was love and affection for one another. There was patience and there was kindness. That the church was filled with spiritual people so that when a brother or sister in Christ is overtaken in a sin then spiritual people are able to go and help restore somebody, not point them out in a prayer meeting of how bad they've fallen in sin. But to restore them and to cover them and to redeem them and bring them back to God. When the world can see that kind of work, that kind of love, that kind of mercy, then there are not many people that can go around this world saying that the Christian God is mean. And they can't say that the Bible's oppressive. But their belief about God seems to be vindicated by a church that's full of anger. And a church that's full of bitterness. And a church that's full of hostility. Because we're trying to convert people in the darkness and they have no idea to see what you're trying to convert them to or even where they are. They have to have light. Their eyes have to be opened. He says in Matthew chapter 4 verse 16... He says this, the people which sat in darkness saw great light. And to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light is sprung. Romans says that light is armor for us. And he called the light the armor that we have. It's an armor of light. In other words, light is something that is given to us as a defensive weapon. 
that defends us from the onslaught of Satan and his schemes and his lies and his deceit. The light of God. And when darkness begins to come against us, then the light shines out. Moms and dads, there are things that go on in your children's lives. There are things that they look at in their phones and their emails and their, and their social media. And there's no way that you can keep up with it all. How does a parent deal with this today? How does a parent deal with things that, that they might be counseling your children in our schools? How do you deal with things where they could go on their own and see a doctor and the doctor doesn't even have to tell you as a parent that your children have come to visit me about having this done to them or having done that to them? How do you deal with that? Beloved, you need light in your home because that light is an armor against the darkness that is threatening us, that's encroaching upon us. And when that light shines, then the darkness is exposed and and we're delivered from things and our children are set free from things because they see the truth. And we need the light. We need it so desperately. We need it powerfully. Luke said it this way. Jesus came to give light to those that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death so that they could guide their feet into the way of peace. And that's it. People sit in darkness. And I want to close with this passage in Ephesians 5. Because I want you to see the light. Maybe we don't understand it. We just think, you know, well, we just need to go preach better. We just need to be more authoritative. We need to be more uh, courageous about the sin that's going on in people's lives. We need to be more adamant to confront the sinner. And, and not that I'm against preaching against sin or confronting sin in people's lives. But listen to this in Ephesians chapter 5. And he says in verse 8, For you were sometimes darkness, but now are you light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. So if you're going to walk in light, if you're going to be children of the light, be good. Be good in all righteousness. That only comes to people through Jesus Christ. You can go and bark all you want at people in darkness. And you can even train people in darkness to appear godly. But if they don't have the righteousness of Jesus Christ by faith, they don't have righteousness. And that's what happens a lot of times in modern evangelism. We try to get them to look like us and act like us and talk like us. Let the Holy Spirit come into their life and he'll begin to deal with them. And then he says truth. And there's a no compromise with us. The Bible says when Jesus came, he brought grace and truth in John chapter 1. And we have to deliver the truth to people. And the truth is the light, John chapter 3. And and if people in John chapter 3 are going to do truth, what is the truth that they have to do? They come to the light. They come to the light and they come to the light so that they can come to God and they can admit to God, I'm wrong. I have sin in my life. I have done things that I'm ashamed of and they're coming to that light because that light is exposing them. But they believe. The reason they're coming to the light is they believe. That Jesus Christ is not going to condemn them, but he's going to save them. And then they become the manifestation of the work of God. Look what God has done in my life since I came to the light. 
and come into the light is doing truth. And we have to give them that. And then he says in verse 10, you're children of light, and the fruit of the Spirit is in goodness, righteousness, and truth, proving what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. How do you do that? For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever does make manifest is light. So how do you reprove this darkness? How do you make that happen? It's the light. It's not our ridicule. It's not just simply being ministers, but it's being ministers and witnesses. And the light is able to shine upon the darkness in people's lives and they're able to see. And they're able to understand the power of Satan and the power of darkness that they've been living in and they want out. Not everybody will want out, but many people will want out. And it is the light that reproves the darkness. So he says, awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead and Christ shall give you light. Don't walk as a fool, but walk in wisdom. Don't be drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And why be wise and be filled with the Holy Spirit? Because in verse 9, that the children of light that is only manifest by the fruit of the Spirit. And goodness and righteousness and truth. How is goodness and righteousness and truth going to be expressed through my life? Except by the Holy Spirit. I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But yet there's not much desperation in people to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And beloved, I'm, I'm, I'm appealing to you with all of my heart. If you see the condition of our culture and the condition of our world, reach out to it in the power of God's spirit. Desire to be a witness. Jesus told Paul, I am making you this. I'm making you this. I don't believe Satan wants you to be that. But I believe the Holy Spirit wants you to be that. Now here it is. This is it. Now, since such distraction, just stay with me. It's really a battle to deliver this this morning. But I want you to hear it. The Holy Spirit comes into your life and He brings gifts into your life. These are gifts of grace. Because these gifts of the Holy Spirit are like atomic bombs against everything that the devil has established, it blows his kingdom up. It blows his lies up. It blows his deceptions up. And it is so important that we as the church of Jesus Christ will believe that the Holy Spirit actually wants to operate through my life in the gifts of the Spirit. On any given day, any given moment, you've got Christian brothers and sisters who are wrestling with hell. Going through manifold temptations. And Peter said these manifold temptations are an attempt of the devil to overthrow their faith. And it's good when we go and affirm our love to one another. But we have to understand the devil's at work in their life. The devil's trying to overthrow them. And we can affirm that we love them and we can care for them. But when we can pray in the Holy Ghost. And if the gifts of the Holy Spirit could operate through our life. 
then in a moment's time, regardless of how long it took the devil to build that stronghold against their life, in a second of a time, the Holy Spirit can blow that up and set them free. But to God that we have the wisdom to understand what the kingdom of God wants to do. Because if we can't pray for our own, how are we going to pray for the lost? And our, our, our friends and our families that come to church and they're going through difficulties and trials in their life. And I need God. I need God's help. I'm up against opposition that, that I can't fight on my own. I need somebody to stand beside me and pray with me. If one can chase a thousand and two can chase ten thousand, please give me a, give me a, a bunch of people to come pray with me. Because hell's coming against me and, and then to testify of such great relief. Such great power of God. The testimonies are so important. And there are people in our world that are in bondage to the devil. And people that are in bondage to addictions. And people that are in bondage to all types of rejection and suicide and despair and depression. And they're looking for a way out. Is there anywhere that I can go? Is there any place of safety? Is there any place of real help? And they don't want to come to our churches and just listen to preaching. And they don't want to come to our churches and just join another Bible study or a self-help class. Where if I begin to do these principles, my life will improve. I need a God who can come into my life and break these strongholds in my life. Is there a place like that? Is there a kingdom of light? Is there, is there some power out there that's greater than the power of Satan that can set me free? And that's when God needs witnesses and not just ministers. Witnesses that possess power and they possess gifts of the Holy Spirit. And they're able to work miracles and they're able to have faith. And they're able to prophesy and speak words of wisdom and words of knowledge. And show mercy and grant forgiveness. Because the gifts of the Holy Spirit are operating through their life. And when those gifts begin to operate through the body of Christ as a whole. Then the light of God will push back the darkness of our culture. And Baton Rouge is in trouble. We can sit around and say how good we are and how great our churches are. We beat New Orleans in murder. We're, we're tops in human trafficking and drug trafficking in Baton Rouge. Where's the power of God? Where's the God who turns people from Satan's power to God? Where, where's the God who turns people from darkness to light? Where is that? He's living in you. So take your light out of the bushel and put it on the table. Be the city set up on a hill. Boldly and gladly and thankfully rejoice in your God and celebrate him and be full of praise to God. According to Peter, you're a priest of God offering whole sacrifices, spiritual sacrifices to God. Celebrating him. But do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. Do it in faith in God. That greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And don't run from the darkness of the arguments of people. Because a ray of light will conquer all the darkness. Just a moment of his light. A moment of his revelation. And people will begin to turn. And beloved, I just believe a lot of people are about to turn. A lot of people. And they're going to want a place where there's a real refuge. Because hell's not going to let them go without a fight. Satan's not going to let them go without a challenge. But there is a place where Satan is not welcomed. 
And that is the church of Jesus Christ. The kingdom of God that is full of light. And water. The water of the Holy Spirit. Would you stand with me? I'm appealing to you in this moment. That we would be people of wisdom. That we would desire the light. We would take the light out of the bushel. And if you will, what what is the bushel? Just think about how strong your flesh is. Think about how Adam, we ought, this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to worship God. This is how I'm going to serve the Lord. This is my ministry. This is what I'm going to go and perform. And our flesh dictates so much. Take the light out of that. Don't let that flesh hide what God wants to do in your life. There are people in your life whose eyes need to be opened. And you know who they are. Even as I say that, you know who they are. There are people that need to be turned from darkness to light. You know who they are. They even hate what they do. But they're in the power of Satan. They don't seem to have any power to do anything else. You're the answer. You're the answer to their life. The gospel that you have to preach. But beloved, you need to be made a minister and a witness. How many of you this morning would just begin to seek the Lord and say, Lord, I want to be a minister and a witness. I need you to make me that. I I want the power of the Holy Spirit on my life. I want the gifts of the Spirit to operate through me, Lord. I I want to be able to speak wisdom to people. God, I want there to be powerful manifestations of the Spirit through my life that just destroys what Satan has been doing and working and building. Oh, God, I pray that you would take Baton Rouge and that there would be an explosion of your Spirit through your churches. And believers in Baton Rouge would rise up, God, and this city would be transformed, not because we have a city planner, not because we have elected officials, God, that are going to change the landscape, but because the churches of Jesus Christ have become full of the Holy Ghost and the light of God is here and devils are not welcome. And Lord, that you would convert people and you would bring people out of the bondage of murder and the bondage of drugs. And the captivity of abuse and molestation, God, that people find themselves in and that you give them victory. And you would show yourself, God, as the loving God that you are. Because you are a loving God. Oh, Father, give us the power of the Holy Spirit to even pray against these powers and principalities. God, we pray like Americans. We whisper. God, let us pray as believers and declare and believe. And cry and trust you, Lord. Shout victories. Oh, God, to see your glory. To see your glory, Lord. Just raise your hands to the Lord. Just believe for God to move in his power. Begin to move in his might. Don't let Satan take from you what God wants to give you. Don't let him fight this in your life. Don't let him take this from you. You're anointed of the Lord. The kingdom of God is not silent. It is the most aggressive thing on this planet. God invites you to join it. Be more concerned for his kingdom 
than the kingdom of this world. Be more concerned that you invest in his kingdom than you invest in this world. Be a child of light, full of the Holy Ghost. Speak to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and sing and make melody in your heart to the Lord. Give thanks to God always. Just begin to even do that now. Worship the Lord. Pray for people. Pray for people right now that need to be delivered from Satan's power. Pray for people whose sins need to be forgiven. Pray that they would be turned from darkness to light. Prayer is the beginning of this. And throughout the whole process is prayer. If our gospel is hid, it is hid because the God of this world has blinded their minds. Take authority over that demon. It's blinded their minds. Cast those strongholds down. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're mighty through God to pull these strongholds down. Let them be pulled down. In Jesus' name, call your friends by name to the Lord. Plead the blood of Jesus over them. Ask for the Lord to give them life and not death. Pray for a preacher, a witness to come into their life. Pray for light in your homes. That the darkness of this culture will not invade your house and it will not take over your home or your children. Pray for the light of God to fill your home. Pray for your grandchildren. Pray for churches. Pray for our churches in Baton Rouge. In our communities. For the light of God to be in the church. The power of God to be demonstrated through the church.